Jesus, man. Uh, this was, uh, ironically, and I, I, I have thoughts of comparing both books. I want to read his older stuff. I'm, I'm, We're going to have to compare his books because they're, they're really, it's really interesting to see what he's trying to do. Uh, well, I don't want to get too much into it because we're going to talk about that. Wonder, should we just go in and then we can always chit chat after? Yeah, let's go in. Let's go in, Roman. episode of quarantine comics we really need to get back into superheroes i mean we've been reading a lot of indie comics and anime which is all fine but gosh i i miss superheroes ryan well, what do you have in mind well i was thinking something like ultimate spider-man or fantastic four life story when it's out later this year i i'd love to see a modern reimagining of conventional superhero stories from their origin to their last adventure well, I think we do have an origin story around here somewhere. Let's see. Look, it doesn't have to be an origin story, but, you know. Ah, here we go. Here we go. It. Here we go. Okay, here it is. What do you think? Hmm. My Friend Dahmer by prolific indie cartoonist Dirk Bachdorf. Is that a real name? It's the origin story of Jeffrey Dahmer. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? No! Well, look, okay, okay. If you want to dig into the underbelly of an infamous aspect of American history, how about this one? Kent State, Four Dead in Ohio. Also by Durf Factor. Well, that just screams double feature. I mean, that screams something. I'm Ryan Back Joe. And I'm... Wait. <laughs> I mistyped mine. And I'm, uh... <laughs> I'm Rumin Back Rumin. And we're two normal dudes with a podcast about completely normal things. And this week, we are reading two books by Dur- John Bachdorf, a.k.a. Durf Bachdorf, an award-winning American cartoonist turned journalist who got his start with newspapers, syndicating his then-indie comics, portraying his views on American life. Durf also happened to grow up and go to the same suburban Ohio high school with a then-unknown Jeffrey Dahmer which he covered in a number of short stories and independently published comic books or comic strips from 1994 to 2002. After creating a few other acclaimed indie comics works, he turned his eyes back to getting the Dahmer story right in 2012's My Friend Dahmer. And later in 2020, because nothing was really going on then, Durf turned his cartoon journalist eye to another tragedy of historic proportions, the 1970 Kent State Massacre, the killings of four and wounding of nine other unarmed Kent State University students by the Ohio National Guard in May of 1970. Jesus, the guy really liked to tell happy stories, huh? Hey man, this episode is half me, half you. So... Roman, you've been on about the Kent State comic for kind of a long time. How did you stumble upon it? You know, there's this thing called the internet, and because of a lot of the quote-unquote research I do for this podcast, Google News surfaces a lot of lists of comics, and, you know, everyone and their mother has a top 20 comics of 2020 or of 2019, and I'm always scraping those articles to, to mostly just prove to myself how awesome I am, because because of this podcast, how many of them we've read. And a book I hadn't read was Kent State. (laughs) And you know what's interesting, Ryan? I knew some bad shit happened 
in the 60s and 70s at Kent State and something about protests. And that was kind of all I knew. And that's kind of like classic American history. They don't teach this in the history books, modern American history, or the underbelly of it. So I just kind of got it from the library and it kept me up all night and it just really bugged me, which I knew you would like. But I got to ask you the same question. You've been bugging me about my friend Dahmer for a long time. How did you stumble upon it? So my friend Jen, who's actually influenced what we read on this podcast, recommended it to me. Jen also recommended previously Ed the Happy Clown and Paying for It, both by Chester Brown. Obviously, she knows my aesthetic, and she mentioned one day, hey, you know, there's a, there's a comic book about Jeffrey Dahmer by a guy who went to high school with him. You just thought you would want to know about that. And I'm like, yes, I do. And so I looked it up, and indeed there was a comic. I'd never heard of it. I'd never heard of the creator. And I was bugging you to read it. You said, I don't really want to read a comic book about Jeffrey Dahmer. And then we found out that actually it's written by the same guy who did who did Kent State. And so here we are. Yeah, and here we are. Worth noting, we didn't say this in the intro, my friend Dahmer, as the sticker says on the comic book, now a major motion picture. <laughs> so I know nothing about this movie, but I think we were telling another friend on a previous recording about this. And yeah, I, mean, I don't know what the point of that was, but it's like, it's kind of nuts. I mean, it comics as a medium is a really good uh, breeding ground for finding stories, but I guess I understand why you would make this a movie. I, I mean, the thing, let's just jump into it. The thing I've appreciated at a more macro level about Spectre is there's, I don't want to call it a journalistic integrity. There, he's, These are actually very well-researched books. And the forward to my friend Dahmer, he's like, at first I just kind of wrote my recollections, but then to do the book right, I decided to really research this to make sure I was accurate, right? I was multiple sourcing things. So it felt... There's an integrity to his writing, and it's a realism. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I just appreciate. It. I mean, we don't have to necessarily talk about his like storytelling chops. I just appreciate the authenticity in which he presents the facts and kind of lays it out for you. Yeah, but no, they're, they're, both books are actually kind of interesting in that he's taking this this sort of like dark aspect of American history, either an event in the instance of Kent State or a very notorious individual in the case of Jeffrey Dahmer. Dark, not just in tone, but also, I mean, kind of, you don't, there's a lot of mystery around what happened at Kent State, just as there's a lot of mystery around what led Jeffrey Dahmer to be the person that he ultimately became. And he's really interested in trying to figure that out. And you know, he's very clear that there's a lot of stuff that he just doesn't know. There are areas about Dahmer's life that he's just not aware of, and he has to, you know, kind of do a lot of conjecturing. And likewise, in Kent State, there's a lot of information that he just that that's been lost or purposely obfuscated. But in both of these books, he's trying his best to kind of put together the pieces of this puzzle. In the case of Dahmer, a combination of his memories as well as research and interviews, and in Kent State, which happened when Backdorf was probably a young boy pulling together a bunch of interviews and trying to make sense of something that seems so insensible, really. Yeah, I want to read an excerpt from the foreword of my friend Dahmer because, you know, I knew what this book was going to be about, the premise, this guy went to high school with him. And, I, and you know, when I opened it last night to read it, I first I read all of the kind of intro reviews on the first two pages and consistently what a lot of people said was 
the man's a monster, but you're going to find yourself really trying to understand and relate to him. So from the forward, Durf says, this is a tragic tale, one that has lost none of its emotional power after two decades. It's my belief that Dahmer didn't have to wind up a monster, that all those people didn't have to die horribly if only the adults in his life hadn't been so inexplicably, unforgivably, incomprehensibly clueless and or indifferent. Once Dahmer kills, however, and I can't stress this enough, my sympathy for him ends. And he goes on to say, Dahmer was a twisted wretch whose depravity was almost beyond comprehension. Pity him, but don't empathize with them. And that's, you know, the book shows a young, awkward teenage boy who is into some weird shit. But at the end of the day, like the way he acts in school, he's he's just trying to fit in. He's having a shitty time at home. And there there's one caption somewhere that some shitty things happening to teenage Dahmer and uh, Bachdorf says in the caption, where were the adults? Where were the adults? And uh, it's just like this book, including Kent State, I think they both really hit me in the gut as almost like a, the terrible shit happened. But it, I think what Bachdorf is trying to articulate as he as he architects everything is like, did it really have to play out this way? Like why it's it's almost like a pox on our society that we got this far in these in these stories. That's actually a really good point because he 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 looks at the chain of events in Kent State that led to the shootings and the deaths of the four people, uh, the four individuals, as well as the the what, nine or so people who were who were wounded. And that's also mm-hmm. again a question that he asks, as you mentioned, in, in, in Dahmer. I I feel like in Dahmer, um, it's it's a little you know I I he he draws this conclusion kind of like he was failed over and over by the adults in his life. I didn't see that quite as clearly as, you know, I guess his thesis in Kent State where he's trying to kind of stitch together the series of really shitty events that directly led to the to the deaths of to the shootings of those of those students. I think I think with Dahmer he just doesn't have as much information, right? He as much as he can mm-hmm. research you know what Dahmer he has, says. He has he has his recollections. He has and his then recollections. Bolting stuff on top of it. He yeah. has his friends' recollections, but Dahmer's a loner, right? So his friends' recollections aren't really going to be how Dahmer was like when they were hanging out that often. The only times they were hanging out was when Dahmer was doing this sort of performative, you know, where he was sort of imitating this, you know, character with what was it with Parkinson's. And so, so really, there's not a lot of memory. His friends have like vague memories of Dahmer, but. You know, not enough to really kind of stitch together what his home life was actually like, how that home life impacted who he became as an individual, or what was even going on inside Dahmer's head. There's a lot, he's a lot more opaque as a, uh, we'll just call him a character, as a character, versus mm-hmm. Kent State. I think people were, seemed to be more open to talk about. Well, and, and, yeah. and people, you know, you know, he, he's talking to people who knew the, the victims, and you know, there's more. There's more for him to actually put together, and I feel like with Dahmer, there's a little bit. He, Dahmer, as much as he's he's trying to look at how Dahmer became who he became, there's still a lot of opacity and mystery in in who he was because, again, a lot of what Dahmer was going through in his own head, his home life, all of that stuff is just is inaccessible to to everybody, really. So that's yeah, why it's really of, good. Yeah, go on. I was going to say, it's a really good point, because Dahmer kind of reads like a reverse what-if episode. So the kind of quote-unquote moral of the story is, here's how I project what must have been going on based on Mm. what I was hearing and seeing. 
and, and again, his quote unquote moral is if we had done better, what if things might have turned out differently? Right. Whereas Kent State is kind of working backwards. We know what happened. So let's peel back the onion on every single character down to the the guardsman who's not getting enough sleep. Yeah. And honestly, like I read I read I read Kent State first. Not I don't think I had fully realized that it was by the same author. And I read Dahmer last night, and honestly, Dahmer didn't disturb me as much as I was afraid it was going to, because to to what we said is it's a little bit of an interpretive fiction, mm. versus Kent State is kind of a documentary put in comic book form, and kind of knowing the broad swaths of what happened. I mean, you can just look at the cover and the subtitle "Four Dead in Ohio." Um, with National Guardsmen like firing into a crowd on the cover, I it was heart wrenching to read because basically it sets up all of these characters: the college girl who takes care of animals, the the kind of cool kid who's in the frat but not really in the frat. All of these people, and you just know they're all heading into a fucking car crash. You know, like with Dahmer, you know he's gonna become a monster. Try to understand the man behind the monster with Kent State. You're watching the kids who are going to be massacred, and you're learning about their lives because Durf decided to work backwards from them, right? Yeah. And, um, that's what makes I, it, it was. You knew, you knew it was happening. It's terrible. Yeah, that's what you, makes it so um, so impactful. You know the victims because you know Durf takes time introducing you to who they are, what they're like, and not only that, but also how they feel about all of the stuff happening on on campus. The fact that so many of them were kind of indifferent to it or not really in, you know, they weren't... They, they weren't the activists. They weren't the crazy activists. Yeah, they weren't, They were, you know, that's actually one of the things that's so maddening, right? There were activists who's, who stir things up and who were responsible for the governor. Well, I won't say they're responsible, but they were sort of the impetus for the governor calling the, the National Guard. And then once the National Guard gets there, there's a sign that everyone kind of speculates that the activists hightailed it out of there and so the students who were just trying to go to class just trying to party just trying to do whatever college students do they were the ones who kind of like got the brunt of it even though you know because somebody else came in stirred shit up and you know and they're the ones who got fucked yeah something gene lun yang did this in dragon hoops as well but and it's something i really have come to admire in independent kind of non-fiction comics is we're telling you a narrative, but every once in a while, we're going to take a quick break and give you a little bit of a history lesson. And this is a much more valuable piece of history than the two chapters or the obligatory three pages you might read in a history book. And the thing that was really interesting for me was the SDS and the Weathermen, right? So the SDS, and I'm going to get it wrong, but the, I'm guessing the Student Democratic Society, and it was basically a loose conflagration of student protest groups across the country. And they did have a more militant extreme arm, which was ultimately the weatherman. And what you find out, and again, I'm going to assume this journalistically like accurate, is the man, the FBI, knew they couldn't fight the SDS because it was like peaceful and it was nonviolent and they weren't doing things. But they could make a boogeyman out of the weatherman. And so they literally would infiltrate all of these organizations, and they actually helped the rise of the weathermen so they could have a boogeyman to deploy troops and tear gas to. And it's – I mean I've read like the People's History of the United States, and that's kind of what this rang true to. It's infuriating to read this. You know, when you read about J. Edgar 
like having plans on Martin Luther King. Like, you know, this is this was a very upsetting and disturbing book because it was like a very ugly reflection of our of our law and order society. Yeah, you know, we talk about the crumbling of institutions in the post Trump era. Sad to say, the institutions had been crumbling for a long time, even before this moment. This was the Nixonian era, and you know, there's a, like I think the the afterword in the book is literally Nixon, a Nixon tape, talking about Kent State, and so Nixon was a motherfucker. Full stop. Sorry, not sorry. And to put it into historical context, you could say, well, we didn't have it as bad as them, but come on, like a lot of people will say the things Trump has done, or even the things our government has done, is like way worse than what Nixon and Reagan were up to. And so that's a scary thought. So, you know, a lot of, some of this came out from FISA records and interviews and, you know, Durf, if he's still alive, he's a a couple decades older than us. I shudder to think about the graphic novels that are going to be written. And, you know, we're starting to see some of this happening in our modern information age society, but like if the shit today, what's been going on in government is worse than what Nixon was doing. And this book is fucking horrifying of what was going on and the worst that was happening. I don't know, man. So that's why this book more than the Dahmer book kept me up at night. Like Dahmer was a boogeyman, but this is, this is our society, Kent state. And and that's, I was just more upset with Kent state such that by the time I read Dahmer, it was just like, okay. Yeah. I, I, I was, uh, more impacted after reading Kent State than than Dahmer as well, kind of for the same reasons you are. Are you saying I picked the more fucked up book than you did for once? <laughs> I, I would say they're equally fucked up, I w- but I would say that Kent State resonated with me more, and it haunted me more. With Dahmer... Yes! Um, yes! <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, with Dahmer, you're right, he, he is kind of a boogeyman, but, you know, you don't really know many of the people who are involved in his story right the victims there's one victim who shows up later on but it's just sort of like the hitch the first hitchhiker Mm. and you see his classmates but his classmates are all fine the classmates you know they go on to their lives and they're kind of passing through and you know and then there's what's funny what's funny is in that afterward where durf's wife calls him his wife's a reporter at the end of the book and she's like oh my god durf one of your classmates just murdered a bunch of people. Guess who? And he guesses, he guesses the, the other guy. One. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But even it's, but even you know even Dahmer himself, right? As we mentioned earlier, there's an opacity to him. Even you know even as he's trying to peel back who is Dahmer, he only gets so far. And I don't I don't think he really gets that far, right? Dahmer had his urges that he struggled with, but and that the struggle manifested in his alcoholism. But did it really? I don't know, like to what extent that's that's true. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe that maybe he did drink in order to quell his urges. You know, he had a, a shitty home life and he was alone. But again, what's going through his mind when all of this is happening? It's 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 unclear because it's unclear. To, it's unclear to everybody, and you know. Dahmer's dead. So as a character, he just doesn't quite have the resonance as, you know, some of the people that you meet in the Kent State book. In fact, you meet quite a few mm-hmm. people in the Kent State book. And then and then also, well, of course, it, go on. I, it's with with my friend Dahmer. It was I hate to say it's the gimmick. Like he had the right to write that book because Dahmer was a kid that he interacted with. He was, you know, part of the Dahmer fan club because Dahmer had this like weird act that he would do in it honestly reminded me of the antics that a kid I kind of knew in junior high did, right? So it it rang very familiar, but the gimmick is I knew this guy. With Kent State, 
I had to check. I had to like check afterwards. I was like, wait, wait, wait. Did the way Durf is writing about this? And this is after I finished reading Dahmer. I was like, did did Durf go to Kent State? Because I knew he was in Cleveland and he was a Midwesterner, and he didn't. But I almost wonder. And again, he wrote Kent State almost a decade after my friend Dahmer. All the things he learned on Dahmer, which was a personal kind of relationship that he was unpacking, all of those skills he applied with like journalistic distance and research to and like narrative. What's the word I'm looking for when you, I'm going to take you can edit this part out. Uh, narrative liberties. He took a lot of narrative liberties to really flesh out these people and make them feel real. These, yeah. I I just again, I'm Dahmer doesn't haunt me because the guy's dead. He did his thing. That's ancient history. Kent State, like I just got to know these people and they felt like people I went to college with and I don't know, man. I and again, it's like it's very reflective. I mean, it came out in 2020 in the middle of BLM and us like making Antifa the boogeyman, you know? It's um it's just so it's just right. so there's much a lot of parallels saying. right there right and then i yeah. think also the lack of accountability that you know no one we still don't know who shot you know who was responsible for giving the order to shoot who actually shot so those four kids who died were never really there was no justice for them and that's what what's also really maddening that not only that but also the fact that that the National Guard took such pains to cover it up and to obfuscate. The fact that they were actually heralded by by a lot of people following the following the murders. You know, it's 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 that's what's so frustrating about what happened afterwards. And you know, for me, Kent State had always been sort of this event that happened in the past, and I never really knew exactly why, because it was, I mean. It just wasn't something that that really came up much in you know, m- you know, in the history classes I took. And exactly. So this book is you know really really important not only for detailing who the victims are, but also in detailing the the exact events that kind of led to the tragedy that led to the shootings, the series of mistakes, the series of I mean here's you know I know we talked about like Dahmer being wearworthy adults you could say the same thing about Kent State right. Where were the people who were supposed to be making the smart decisions and the right decisions? Well, we saw. Well, we we saw the people. We uh, unlike unlike Dahmer, where they kind of show the teachers here and there. With Kent State, you get an intimate portrait of the National Guard's coordinator, of the FBI person, of the university provost, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And what's interesting on another podcast, uh, we just interviewed a journalist who was on a college campus in the '70s, and there's a story she tells us. And she was like, you know, they had this like tenured racist professor on campus. And as a sophomore, our guest, who who's now a journalist, she went to the president of the university. And she's like, what the fuck? What's going on with this guy? You, you know, we're going to have sit-ins and protests. And the president looks at her and says, you're, you're just a sophomore. You won't be my problem in two years. And it was that kind of like, it's so funny when, when this guest, Geraldine, told us that story, it reminded me of the university administrators in Kent State who were just kind of looking the other way. The guy went to fucking lunch because yeah. he knew shit was going to go down. I say this as a parent, that's that's worrying because the principal, the university president, they're the ones in charge who are supposed to protect our children. And, you know, there's a saying, history is written by the winners. And yeah, 
you know what, Ryan? It makes sense because the winners in this case are the people who don't want you to read this. And, and to jump ahead to a question we always ask, we started asking on this podcast, would you recommend this book? Uh, Dahmer's fine, right? You know, whatever. But Kent State, it's. I used to always say Watchmen should be required reading. It's a great American novel. And yeah, it still is. Kent State should be required reading in American history classes. Like, for many reasons, not just because of this one incident, but because it holds a mirror up to so much shit that's still happening today. Yeah, and I also think the comic format really benefits Kent State. Oh, yeah. You lower your guard. Well, I would say that in just in terms of understanding what happens. You know, yeah. if you were to explain, you know, here's how the National Guard was supposed to move and here's why things kind of went wrong, it's, it's actually much more memorable when you actually see – See it kind of drawn Images. out. Yeah, exactly. And and unlike a documentary, I mean, documentaries are a powerful thing, but I saw this other TED talk of like this Indian comic artist, and he was saying what's beautiful about comics as a medium is it's easier to pause and rewind. You know, in a, in a film, you're not going to do it. Sitting in the theater, you're certainly not. But sitting on your couch reading a book, if you don't understand a passage, unlike prose, which, you know, it, it takes more work to go back and reread that page. But with the comic, you can linger on the page and you can try to understand the geography of the situation. Right. I mean, that was really helpful when they were showing, like, what was the National Guard's plan in order to quell the students? You kind of have the arrows showing where the National Guard is supposed to go. You know, you have the illustration of the campus to kind of see the layout. And then you see exactly how it went, how it went horribly, horribly wrong. Um and, you know, the other thing, Kent State, he does actually have, like, large prose sections kind of in the middle of it. But it's sort mm -hmm. of like it's it's sort of like the occasional moment where he's sort of breaking in and trying to contextualize the history, you know, the history of it, right? Why is the SDS important? How do they, you know, because there's actually a lot that informs, you know, the actions of the characters in the in the book that needs to be that needs to be articulated. You know, it's it's worth noting, cause just because we're talking about graphic novels as a medium, Durf is absolutely getting better and better with his craft. You know, you, we've read books that are almost a decade apart. And because Kent State felt more like a documentary versus a film, you know, which is effectively what my friend Dahmer kind of became, uh, a retrospective, with Kent State, it's like he can switch the shots up. He can switch the perspective like mid-scene versus in film, that would almost be jarring to kind of like switch the takes over and over again. Um, but Durf has clearly kind of mastered the medium of yeah. kind of sequential art. He's yeah. Well, Kent State's a much more complicated story to tell, right? There's so many more characters. There are so many different agendas at war that eventually leads to the tragedy. And he actually does a very very good job making it clear who's doing what, why, from the students to the administrators to the individuals in the in the National Guard. That's actually a, a huge juggling act, organizing all of that information, putting it into a really compelling narrative. You know, Dahmer is a much, much more modest. More linear. Yeah. yeah, it's linear. It's a little bit more modest because it's built off of his memories. And there's, of course, uh, as we mentioned over and over again, a, a huge spaces in Dahmer's life that he just that he just cannot see. So I actually really admire what he's what he did with Kent State and the complexity of putting all of these different stories together and showing how it all kind of 
you know, how, you know, because it starts out very, very scattered, right? It's different students doing different things. They're interacting with different people. You're not quite sure how these stories are going to come together. And then you see how it all converges. You see the personal stuff. You see the stuff that happened that was much more political, that happened, you know, with a, with a National Guard and having negotiations with, with the campus police. So there's, there's just so much more that he needs to include, and he brings it all together in a way that is very readable, very clear, and very, very sad. And, and worth noting, it's like, this isn't a cliff notes of what happened on that day. I was just flipping through to kind of get a page count. It's the last 90 pages of a 300-page book, so the last third, so to speak, where it's the day of the massacre. So two-thirds of the book is not just set up, but in setting up the characters and the motivations, but really just showing you the lay of the land and what was going on. It shows other protests. It shows other violence. It shows other disagreements at all levels, at the student level, at the at the administrator level, at the police and the FBI and the informant level. Yeah. Those first 200 pages are arguably more important. Like, we all know what happened, more or less. We know the cliff notes of Something happened with the government and protesters and kids died. That's kind of what people more or less know about Kent State, yeah. I think. But, and again, that is articulated in gory detail towards the end. It's visceral, the the actual shooting, how he shows it. He he shows, like, the bullets going through people and shows what happened to those people after. But the And that's very important, and it needs to be seen, and you need to linger on those pages. But I would argue the first 200 pages is more important. Because it kind of shows society today. Yeah, I mean, and Kent, Kent State as a as a possible outcome if we if we don't get our shit together. And he does such a great job showing the individual personalities of those kids, you know, and what they're you know how they felt about the current situation at Kent State, you know, prior to the shootings, you know, with the with the political activism. You know, one thing that was interesting to me is just this sort of is how. I wouldn't say the kids are apolitical, but they're they're really just kind of trying to get through their day, and you know maybe do a little bit of dating, but they're not they're not like you know they're they're not like rabid political activists. And I think the way it was often framed to me is that there was just just these activists, and the National Guard opened fire on them. But what this book really kind of drives home is that a the activists weren't you know. They, they weren't they definitely weren't a threat to the national guard but b uh, most of the people who were shot were just you know they were just kind of bystanders they were just they were just trying to see what was going on or some of them were just passing through and that's what really resonated with me how the national guard kind of came into this campus unnecessarily so and basically just for a couple of days just harassed a bunch of people who you know Again, we're just trying to live their lives. And of course, it culminated in this completely needless massacre. Here's another thing that I think why I think Kent State works better than Dahmer. I feel with Dahmer, he's coming. So, Durf Bachter definitely has opinions about what he's writing about, you know. But in Dahmer, he's very explicit. You know, where were the adults? We, we kind of mentioned that line earlier, and it's this big caption. And I don't think it's necessarily justified. I'm no, I have no doubt that adults failed him, but I, I kind of feel like that bold statement isn't really justified by what he put in the book. Versus Kent State, I feel like... But but, but I, I'd like to say something. I think he yeah. can afford to say that because he was a teenager back then. Does that make sense? Like, he directly was... A, and it's a thing... 
he, he might be wrong. His perspective might be wrong, but it's a valid perspective to have. I'm not I was a teenager back then, and we were all hurting. Yeah, I'm not saying it's invalid. I'm just saying that his method of communicating it was very, very clunky mm. versus in uh, Kent State. He actually he also has a very strong point of view about it, but he's a lot more subtle about communicating it, right? He's he's much more subtle about communicating the. Well, he's presenting the facts. He's exactly. He, the facts. The, you know, Dahmer. It feels like an enraged opinion. Where were the adults in Kent State? He's kind of almost presenting the facts very coldly. They said this, but this was a lie. No one found any evidence of a sniper. In presenting the information that way, it's so much more impactful. It feels like less like you're you know listening to somebody kind of rail away about something, even though you might agree with him. Does that make mm-hmm, sense? Mm-hmm. That's what, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's that's I mean, what I'm, yeah. So that's what I'm getting at, and I, I think that's also just a sign of his maturation as a writer. Absolutely, and I mean another really compelling thing, you know, worth noting about Dahmer. At first, he wrote it as short stories. Once he, you know, because it was, I just want to capture these thoughts, these memories. Even I have myself trying to remember stuff that happened in junior high and high school, and those memories are fading. It's a good idea to write these things down. So what became short stories turned into like an indie 25-page comic that, you know, got a thousand people interested. And he kind of left it at that and then finally decided to like put the research into it after he had a little bit more success with some of his other graphic novels, which are about significantly happier things. But and so so much so that by the time you get to the back of Dahmer, there's, you know, a solid 30, 40 pages of notes on where he heard things from, where he got his research, what he corroborated. And similarly in Kent State. And that's that's something admirable. When when a nonfiction author shows their references and their research in the back of the book, there's it's not necessarily footnote hell, but it's look I check my work, man. Here's how I interpret it based on these facts. Yeah, no, and I I, I appreciate that as well. Um, you know because it 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 kind of lays everything out. It's, it's it's basically a matter of transparency, right? Here's what I know. Here's what I don't know. Here's where I had to you know fill in the gaps. Here's where the media reports were wrong. So yeah, it, it and it shows basically how how detailed his research was, even for a book like Dahmer, which ostensibly is created from his his you know from his memories and interviews with his classmates. I I'm glad I read these books. I, I genuinely and I um Ryan, I have to ask because I, I already kind of answered my own question, but I don't know. Would you recommend these books to people? Yeah, I would. I mean, they detail really notorious aspects of American history, aspects that are often sort of misunderstood, or, you know, when people do talk about them, they have a political agenda, like with Kent State, or it becomes sort of like, um, you know, Dahmer is both sort of like, he's like a a boogeyman, he's also a joke, he's also, you know, it's hard to kind of get a, a real genuine story about Jeffrey Dahmer because of how notorious his crimes were. So, you know, even though the my friend Dahmer wasn't quite as successful as Kent State in explaining what the hell was going on, it's still an important book to read in order to understand, um, you know, in order to kind of break through the sort of mythology that's been built around Dahmer. And, you know, even even aside from that, you know, if you just take off out the, the serial killer stuff, it's a really, you know, kind of sad story about alienation and 
not belonging and kind of going through high school without any friends. So there's this, there's actually a very kind of, there is, there's still kind of like a very resonant human story, even if it's about somebody who is very, very inhumane. Yeah. One of the things, I don't remember where I read it. I'm assuming it was in the forward to Dahmer, but by the time this book came out in 2012, Dahmer was almost like a myth, the butt of yeah. many a Letterman joke, right? Yeah, and exactly. so it's not humanizing, that's the wrong word to use, but it was like, let's unpack this, let's get rid of the joke again, let's talk about this very real thing. And, and the whole book, to be clear to our, our listeners, it's not about the terrible atrocities Dahmer did. Those are other books that has been covered. It's the stuff that hasn't been covered, the, the side of things that led up to this, the prequel, so to speak. So, and, and I think that's valuable. Yeah, it absolutely is, right? Because it shows just the side of, of again, of somebody who's been so so mythologized that, in a way, the real story has just been sort of lost. So, Ruman, what are we reading next week? Ryan, to quote the great Rivers Cuomo, you take your car to work and I'll take my board. And when you're out of fuel, I'm still afloat. Because next week we are reading A.J. Dungo's In Waves. It's part memoir, part history book. It's a tender examination of grief and healing and surfing. This was a fun one. It's I'm not sure what you're going to think about it, but if you don't cry, you're dead inside, Ryan. You're dead inside. Thank you.